The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Game Podcast in is brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, sports and research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit HOFBets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. We're also brought to you by Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Head to Cut.com, that's K-U-T-T.com, and use promo code SGPN for a 10% deposit bonus. We're also brought to you by the Sports Game Podcast Patreon. The guys just dropped their bonus behind-the-scenes episode of Sean winning $200,000. Plus, this week's prize, Pick'em Prize, is a free $250 Super Bowl square. SportsGamePockets.com slash Patreon to join today. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast. Scenario code is currently Thursday night. February 1st, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Reichel, once again going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode because it is time to get into the quarterfinals in Montpierre. So we are going to preview all four matches taking place on Friday morning. Before we continue that, though, do want to recap what happened in the last episode, both for the actual lock and dog picks as well as the outright. Starting off with the lock and dog recap, overall decent episode. It was almost a perfect sweep. But then we had a bit of a heartbreaker for the dog. Starting off with the lock, though, had a nice winner. We had Caboli, plus three and a half games at minus 105 against Monfi. Never in doubt, Caboli did lose the first set via tiebreak, but Monfi ran out of gas, and Caboli, I believe, won nine of the last 10 games, won the third set via bagel. So Caboli ended up wearing down Monfi, who may or may not have gotten injured midway through that second set. Either way, though, a nice winner for us there. For the dog, though, unfortunately, had a pretty rough beat there as we had Martinez and Munar over two and a half sets at plus 130. It looked really good. Munar was serving for the second set to win us the actual bet, and he got broken and eventually lost in a tiebreak as Martinez did win in straight sets. So we just needed one more hold to get the sweep. Didn't get it, but either way, got a split there. So it could have been worse, but could have been better. As for the outright picks, we had no quarter odds. So unfortunately, we could not bet those markets. However, we did give out four outrights to win the tournament. And since we are in the quarters, that means that there are eight people left. And luckily, all four of the outrights are still alive. So based on the actual math, we have about a 50% chance of getting an outright winner. We had Rune at plus 250, who won his first match on Thursday in the event. We had Bublik, who came from a set behind, fought off some match points, and beat Chapo at plus 600. We have Shevchenko at plus 2,000, won a pair of matches in three sets. And we have Kaboli as the long shot at 50-1, to who won again today as he beat Listien. So overall, pretty good episode as we hit the lock and ended up keeping our four outright picks alive. Hopefully one of them wins the whole thing. I don't really care which one, but either way, point is hopefully one of them gets the job done. As for the actual recap, of the events so far. I'm going to start off with the veterans who really underachieved so far in this event because you had three old-timers who, let's just say, didn't perform that well because Gasquet, Munfi, and Murray all lost in the first round. Gasquet lost a competitive match in straight sets to a Spanish qualifier as you ended up seeing him lose to uh, Yamas Ruiz in straight sets. Competitive straight sets, but still a loss there. Monfi, I mentioned before, did get injured midway through that match against Caboli, and he ended up getting buried in the back half of that match. And Murray ended up having the most embarrassing loss of probably the season up to this point. He lost to Benoit Pair. Now, Benoit Pair used to be a ranked player about, I don't know, 10 years ago, give or take. Pair's been known for being the biggest uh, psycho on the actual tour. Absolute clown. Either way, though, Pear had not won an ATP match since August of 2022. Sounds fake. 
but it's true. He had not won a match in the ATP level for about a year and a half, and he beat Andy Murray. Uh, Murray won the first set, then ended up losing the second set via tiebreak, and then lost the third set there. Very entertaining. Murray did seem to get a little bit injured late in that match, but never called for the trainer, so it didn't seem like it was that big of a deal. But the point is, Pear ended up pulling off an upset, and Murray, I've roasted for a while. I've called him done for about a year and change, but I think this is kind of the cherry on top that it does seem like Murray is on, I don't want to say death's door of his playing career, but it's definitely not looking good for him. And that actually was brought up on Twitter as a reporter did pretty much tweet at Murray saying that he had a great career. I think he was with BBC Scotland, I think, and he didn't really mean it in an offensive way, but it came off that way. He basically said Murray's had a great career. How long will he keep going? Uh, before he retires, will this tarnish his legacy? And Murray kind of responded to the tweet by saying, quote, I'm in a terrible moment right now. I'll give you that. Most people would quit and give up in my situation right now, but I'm not most people, and my mind works differently. I won't quit, end quote. Well, I got some bad news for you, because if you're not going to quit, you're going to keep getting your ass kicked, because your career, as far as I'm concerned, is over. You just have not realized it or you have, and you are in denial. Now, there's worse cases around the men's and women's tour of players who just refuse to move on with their lives, most notably Venus Williams, who should have retired three, four years ago and embarrasses herself every time she steps foot on a court. But she's supposed to be back for, I think, Miami and for Indian Wells. I can't believe she's still playing. So it's not that bad where Venus is in embarrassment right now uh, for the sake of tarnishing a legacy. It's kind of difficult to actually do that because nobody's going to suddenly forget about all of the titles that the players have won. Murray's a multiple-time Grand Slam champion. Venus is a multiple-time Grand Slam champion. You're not just going to forget that happens. But I've seen the, I say people equate the situation to a boxer who hangs around for way, way too long. For UFC fans, like a Tony Ferguson type, where you look back at the prime, and you're not going to forget that it happens, but you keep watching the player that you used to love watch win, just consistently get their asses kicked for years and years before they finally hang them up well after they should. And that's kind of where Murray's at. Murray's never going to win an ATP title again. He might win a challenger title. We'll see what happens. But Murray is committed to keeping the dream alive. I'm going to fade him moving forward, and we'll see what happens. But Murray had the most embarrassing loss out of those three. But the point is, Gasquet, Monfi, and Murray, it does seem like they each have one foot out the door, so to speak. But Gasquet and Monfi both somehow won ATP titles last year. I'm not sure how they pulled that off. But either way, Murray has been long removed from his last ATP title, and losing to Benoit Paire, as far as I'm concerned, might be rock bottom. But as for other takeaways in Montpierre, it was a tournament filled with Frenchmen. In fact, there were 13 of them in the 32-person field, and only one of them advanced to the quarterfinals. 12 of the 13 Frenchmen in the event lost before the quarterfinals, which is pretty sad. Now, in some of these uh, situations, Frenchmen had to play against each other, so I am aware of that. But the point is, I know that uh, Fies wasn't here, Umber wasn't there, but French tennis is in a pretty weird spot where Cazzo should have been in there, but he choked away that third set against Felix on Thursday afternoon. But it is pretty telling that the overall future of French tennis might be tied into two and a half guys. You can argue maybe one guy. If you think that Fies can make the leap into being a top 10, top five guy, I think Umber is solid. He's gotten better. 
Do I think he's going to ever compete for a Grand Slam title? No, not really. Do I think that Kaz was going to? No. I know he's only 21. He definitely kind of seemed to come out of nowhere, and he's been very solid over the last couple of weeks. But French tennis has kind of disappointed for the last decade and change. Gasquet, Monfi, and you kind of thought that, and even if you want to throw in Gil Simone in there, you thought one of them maybe would break through, make a Grand Slam final, do something, Really, it didn't happen there, and now they might be doing this all over again. So I wanted to at least mention it that they stopped, they actually just they just stacked the entire field with Frenchmen, and only one of them, who was Myatt, who had a gift of a draw, was the only one who got through. So I wanted to mention that, where people might argue about home uh, field advantage, home court advantage with the crowd. The crowd's been great. The French players haven't, and that's why 12 of the 13 have lost already. But anyway, time to actually get into the... I'd say recap of the quarterfinal matches, which I was going to do anyway when I was going through the players. I might as well do it now. So starting off with the, uh, yeah, we'll start off with the matches that took place on Wednesday, just because there were a couple uh, that took place. So Bublik had a very entertaining match against Shapo, where he fought off a couple of match points, kept his nerve, which was kind of shocking because Bublik never keeps his nerve, and he was able to get the job done. Props to Shapo, though. He looked really good in the event, which I have to at least give him kudos for because he was battling some injuries and he didn't look great to start the year. He looked great in the first round against Gaston, but unfortunately, he kind of ran out of gas there, and it did seem like his knee was bothering him once again in the latter stages of that third set as Bublik got the job done in three. Paris Cinderella story ended winning one ATP match, and then Maya killed him 6-1-6-4. Uh, I mentioned Kaboli, uh, who already beat Listien in the Thursday match, but the two matches from Wednesday, you had Myatt, and you ended up having Bublik win. Then for the matches on Thursday, Shevchenko won another war as he beat Barreri, another Frenchman in three. George looked really good as he beat Martinez with a bagel in the second set. Kaboli, our, bo our uh, boy, did win in straight sets, 6-4, 6-1. You had Kazo, who had a pretty bad choke job there against Felix, where Felix was puking, uh, midway through, or during the changeover, I should say, between the second and third sets. And you ended up seeing Kazo go up a break on two separate occasions in the third set. Served for the match, got broken to love, and then went up a mini break and immediately fell apart. But Kazo was good, but not good enough as Felix kept his nerve in the tougher spots and got the job done. And Rune did end up beating uh, Yamas Ruiz in straight sets as a massive favorite in the final a round of 16 match. But now time to actually get into the quarterfinal matches for the tournament. Before we do get any uh, get into any of that, do you want to take a quick word from our sponsor? We're brought to you by the SGP Patreon. The guys just dropped this month's bonus episode, behind-the-scenes breakdown of Sean's $200,000 win. This week's Patreon Pick'em Prize is a free $250 Super Bowl square, plus access to all the pick sheets, and an exclusive channel on Discord. Head over to sportscampodcast.com slash Patreon. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a way to pull alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball, and college football. Simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash in. You can win up to 100 times your money with some spicy plays. So watch along, make your picks, maybe make a little money over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, remember to use the promo code SGPN. Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. So Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished recapping what's happened so far in Montpierre. Now it is time to get into the actual previews for the quarterfinal matches 
in Montpierre. So we're going to start off with the first match taking place, which should be between Bublik and Shevchenko. Should be a fun one. Unfortunately, one of our outrights will die in this matchup because we have both Shevchenko and Bublik. So we'll see what happens. Bublik is the favorite of minus 188. Shevchenko is around plus 163. As for the over-under, you can find that at 22 and a half. For the game spread, you can find Bublik at around 2.5 at minus 130. Shevchenko plus 2.5 is even money. If you want to go for the set wagering, you can get Bublik in straight sets at around plus 135. You can find Shevchenko to win a set at minus 165. And you can find the over 2.5 sets at plus 135. Now, I mentioned before that Shevchenko's had a couple of marathon matches as he ended up having to go to three sets in each of the first two rounds as he ended up beating Barreri in his match yesterday in three. He's been in good form for the most part. I took him as an outright despite the abysmal showing in Australia because I felt that he was a bit injured from that Echeverry match about a week or so before the Australian Open. And I seem to be correct because Shevchenko's been playing very good tennis. And as a result, I do think he should be pretty live to win this match. It is pretty funny, though. They wore a doubles team together as the Kazakhs joined together to try to win the doubles event. Then they ended up winning their first doubles match and realized, now let's play singles, and they dropped out of doubles. So we'll see what happens in this matchup, but I think Bublik is worthy of being the favorite. He is a former champion. He did beat Chapo, who looked like he was in good form. I don't know how much of it was Chapo's knee acting up, but Bublik did hold his nerve, fought off a couple of match points, and won a crazy tiebreaker 14-12 before winning the third set 6-3. As for Shevchenko, though, did end up beating a relative unknown Czech player in the first round in three as well. So I do think Bublik is probably going to win based on his ability to serve. One thing, or at least his ability to serve in volley in this case, one thing I have noticed in Montpierre, a lot of guys who have come to the net on a decent, I'd say a decent amount when it comes to either serving volleying or just being aggressive in the rallies, they've done very well. Felix had success doing that. Rune had success doing that. Bublik had a ton of success doing that against Shapo. I do think Bublik will be aggressive coming to the net and that has worked out quite well in this event. And a reminder that Cressy last year did make a final, despite his underwhelming last couple of years on tour, because he's a servant volley guy. So it does seem like coming to the net pretty often is a solid strategy for the courts here. So I do think Bublik will eventually find a way to get the job done. Is this going to be easy? Probably not. I think you're going to see a bit of a war take plays. Shevchenko is a very solid baseliner. We know Bublik's shot selection can be abysmal at times. The serve is very good. The first serve percentage, though, in that Chapo match was really not great for Bublik. I believe he only landed 52% of the first serves, and we know that Bublik is a double-faulting machine. So he might end up punting a break or two. He had nine double faults in the Chapo match. He had six double faults in the second set and then somehow at zero in the third set. So I don't really know what happened there, but Bublik uh, found his second serve in the third set. But we know that that's been an issue of his for a long time. Shevchenko, I do think, is good enough to break on several occasions here. I think Bublik's good enough to break as well on Shevchenko's serve, who's fine as a server, nothing special. I think Bublik's going to win. I think it's going to be a longer match, though. I am going to the over. Give me Bublik in three in this matchup. Moving on to the next matchup, you have a couple of really big favorites as the next two matches, as you have Mayat, the only Frenchman left, taking on Felix Augur Eliassime. So Eliassime's a pretty big favorite here at around minus 350. Shop around, I found like a minus 500, so you can find some pretty crazy prices if you shop around. Uh, but the Mayat price is plus 280. Uh, Felix on the game spread is minus 4 at minus 116. 
My plus four is minus 104. As for the actual game uh, total here, you can get 21 and a half. The over is minus 117. The under is minus 103. And that's basically all I have for this match. I see that Felix winning straight sets is available at minus 150. Now, Felix had a tough goal of it uh, in the match on Thursday against a very talented Frenchman who was in good form, as we saw Cazzo beat Rune, for example, in the Australian Open. He looked like he was in good form. Felix was playing good tennis. Then his stomach started bothering him, which is why he ended up puking on the side of the court. But you're looking or in the trash can during the changeover. But the point is, Felix regained his nerve, did struggle a bit with the first serve percentage, but he was able to do enough on the big points to get the job done. Myatt, though, I alluded to it before, has really not beaten anybody worth a damn to make the quarterfinals. And he was a wild card to get in. He's mostly a young, challenger-level player, it's a massive step up in competition. To read off the actual path for Myatt, he beat Luca Pui. Maybe you remember who that is because he used to be a top 15, top 10 player borderline about five, six years ago, back when I was in college. I remember when he beat Nadal in the U.S. Open. Point is, Luca's battled a bunch of injuries over the last couple of years, so that is really not an impressive win. Pui's career, it's a sad story, but his career completely went off the deep end. So Myatt got a pretty favorable draw there. Then instead of facing Andy Murray, he faced off against Benoit Pair, which was a gift. So Myatt hasn't played anybody, and I do think that Felix beating Kaz was a pretty good win there. Felix has dropped some sets on occasion. We saw that in Australia. But so far this season, he lost to Altmaier in the first round of Auckland, who was actually in good form. Uh, then he beat Team in five in Australia, beat Grenier in four in Australia, lost to Medvedev, and then ended up beating Kaza in three. So the point is Felix has, since the Altmaier match, he's only lost to Medvedev. Like, he's been in pretty good form. I've given Felix a hard time, but he's a very, very good hardcourt indoor player. A crazy stat, which you might not believe, but it's true. Uh, Augur Aliassime has won 28 of his last 32 indoor hardcourt matches. 28 and 4. So he's a really good indoor hardcourt player. I think Myatt's going to have some problems. Once again, a very favorable draw to get here. I don't think Myatt's that good, and I think that Felix's firepower is going to translate well to this court, assuming that his stomach is not bothering him and he's at 100%. So for me, I see a pretty ugly, straightforward match here. I know Felix has dropped some sets, but I do think his game translates well. I do think he can come to the net, and Myatt, I just don't think, has the attributes to fully overcome the firepower that that uh, Augurelli seem has. You can argue that, once again, mental toughness is an area of weakness for uh, Felix, where he tends to struggle in big moments. Came through yesterday, or I should say Thursday, and I do think he should come through once again here on Friday. I see a pretty straightforward match here. I'm going to go with Felix winning straight sets at uh, around minus 150. I just think he's the better overall player, and I think that's going to be the story over these two sets. Moving on, to the other massive favorite in the quarterfinals. You have Rune taking on Momo, and the over-under is at 21 flat. Rune is a big favorite of about minus 600 or so. Shopping around, I even found a minus 750. So he's a big favorite for this match. Uh, Momo is around uh, about plus... 475 plus 500, give or take. As for the actual game spread, Rune minus 4.5 is minus 128. Uh, Momo plus 4.5 is plus 108. As for the over-under, I said before, it's 21. And Rune to win in straight sets is a massive price. Simply put, the question is, do I think Momo can actually hang in there? Probably not. Now, Yamas Ruiz did end up making the first set competitive as he did end up losing 7-5 before getting buried 6-2 in the next set. 
Mamode does have an advantage, though, because he did not play yesterday. He was in one of the quarterfinal matchups that happened on Wednesday. So he does have extra prep time, which might work out in his favor. But I do think Rune is the favorite here for a reason. He's a defending semifinalist, and I thought that he would really just look sharp in this event, potentially trying to avenge last year's loss in route to a title. I don't think Mamo is that great of a player. He's better than I thought he was a couple years ago. But I do think Rune is worthy of being a massive favorite. You can argue 6-1 to is maybe a bit steep, or minus 600 is a bit steep. Maybe you think it should be closer to minus 500. Point is, he's worthy of being a big favorite. I'm really not going to make a case for Mamo. I think that Rune beats him, probably in straight sets. Maybe you'll get a breaker in there. We know Rune can get broken, and maybe the serve can let him down on occasion. But I do think that Rune wins it, probably in straight sets. So I am going to link to the favorite here. Nothing really creative or nothing shocking when it comes to my handicap. But I do think Rune is the much better player. And I do think that if you want to look for a value play, maybe if you can find Momo minus uh, Momo plus five, I mean, at like minus 130-something. Maybe I wouldn't mind that. Maybe if you want to lean to an over and you're hoping for a breaker, maybe. But I think Rune wins in straight sets, and I think it's going to be pretty straightforward. Moving on to the last match in the quarterfinals, you have Chorch taking on Kaboli, and Kaboli is a plus-150 underdog. Chorch is around minus-170 as a money line favorite. The actual game spread, you have Chorch minus two and a half games at minus 110. Kaboli plus two and a half games is minus 110 over under four. The total games is set at 22 and a half. The over is minus 105. The under is minus 115. Match to go two, three sets. You can currently find available at about plus 130. Match to end in straight sets is minus 160. Chorch to win in straight sets is plus 140. Kaboli to win a set is minus 170. Now, these two players did face off two times before. Uh, it was both on clay. They were both on clay, though, so I don't know if you could actually use that. But the point is, they faced off in 2022, and Caboli hung his own. Now, Caboli did win the first meeting in Rome uh, in 2022, and then they faced off in Parma about two months later, and Chorch got revenge, winning 7-5, 6-4. Now, both matches were on clay, but the point is, Chorch has proven that he can beat Kaboli, but it is pretty competitive. And I do think that Chorich, despite looking good in the first match that he's played here against Martinez, Martinez is a clay court specialist. That doesn't really mean much to me. So Chorich had a pretty good overall first matchup for him. But I do think Chorich's serve is going to be the story of this match. When it's on, it's a really good serve, but the percentage can be a bit iffy. And I do think that the unforced error count tends to be a little bit, uh, I'd say, erratic. Uh, for Chorch, and I think Kaboli has the firepower that can potentially match up for, uh, I'd say, Kaboli to keep this match competitive. So for me, I'm going to go with a pretty interesting... Well, i got to read off the actual spread first. Point is, I think the match is going to be competitive, uh, but the games are around 2.5, which I mentioned before. I think I would lean to Kaboli plus the 2.5. I'm going to lean to the over in this match, though. The fact that they faced off two times when Kaboli was really, really young back in 2022... And both matches were competitive. And I know Kaboli is good on clay. Chorch is pretty good on clay, too. But the point is, I think that this actual surface probably benefits Chorch, but not by much. Kaboli's looked really good ever since dropping the first set against Monfi, which he could have won. That was a very competitive tiebreaker that he ended up losing before, kind of flipping a switch and dominating the last four sets he's played. I like the over in this match. I think it's going to be a fun one, a very entertaining Matchup full of firepower, full of very powerful shots. And I do think based on the value, 
I'm going to link to the dog here. I think Kaboli, there's a reason why we picked him to win the event at 50 to 1 is because we think he's undervalued. And Chorich, once again, has been good, but he didn't really play anybody because he beat Martinez in the first matchup here, ended up being in a challenger event on hard court in Belgium before this, and he made a deep run, but then he lost to Reddy in straight sets. So the point is, Chorich can lose the players that he's expected to beat. We've seen it before. And Caboli's been in very good form since qualifying of the Australian Open and has carried over into Montpierre. I like the value of the dog here. I think that Caboli has the game to make it very interesting. Should be very close. Might go three. I like the over in the match, but I do think Caboli has a shot to get the job done. Give me Caboli at plus 150, and I am going to lean to the over for sets at plus 130, as well as the games at 21 and a half at around minus 135. Uh, that's going to do it, though, for the quarterfinals. Once again, my thoughts for the actual matches. I'm going to go with Bublik to win, but a very close match. I'm going to lean to the over two and a half sets and the over in games. I'm going to lean to Felix in straight sets. I'm going to lean to Rune in straight sets. And I am going to go with Kaboli to make the match very interesting. But now it's time to actually get into the lock and dog picks for the show. We're brought to you by Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer -peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Peer-to-peer -peer social betting is the new and better way to bet. Bet directly against your friends or other users on sports, politics, pop culture, and other events with verifiable outcomes, plus a ton of fun social features that give it the feel of a betting social network. Cut offers low VIG and fully customizable odds. You can create your own bets. Cut handles the payment side of things. So you never have to worry about chasing down your money. Social features include group chats, betting leaderboards, head-to-head -head history, user profiles, fan groups, and more. They also have good rewards. Get cash back every single time you bet against your friends or other users. Cut also allows you to list almost any kind of bet Perfect for getting action on those fun Super Bowl prop bets. Cut is the peer-to-peer -peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Head to cut.com, that's K-U-T-T.com, and use promo code SGPN for a 10% deposit bonus. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger betting smarter this NFL season with Hall of Fame Bets. Sports analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into revolutionary into Hall of Fame Bets's revolutionary power optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet toward which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop back in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets average at bets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the quarterfinals in Montpierre. Now it is time for the actual lock and dog picks. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go back to a matchup between Agar Alassim and between Myatt. And I am going to go with the favorite here. I'm going to go with Felix to win in straight sets at around minus, around minus 150. I know it's a big line but I think it's warranted. I really don't think Mayat is anything special as a player. The crowd support will be there, but we saw Felix overcome that against Cazzo on Thursday. So he's accustomed to facing off against Frenchman with the home crowd rooting against him. But simply put, he's the much better player. Mayat ended up beating uh, Pui, who's been a mess ever since the injury started from him a couple years ago. And he beat Pear, who had one ATP win since August of 2022. So the point is Mayat was gifted a dream draw into the quarters I just think Felix is such a better player, and I do think that it's going to showcase itself in this match. Maybe one set will be close. Maybe he'll get a tiebreaker, but the point is Felix is a better server. He has more firepower. And once again, he's 28-4 and four 
in the last 32 indoor hardcourt matches. So he's really good. It's kind of a specialty playing on indoor hardcourt, and I do think that's going to be uh, on full display in this matchup here. But beating Pui and Pear, i got to see more. It's a big step up in competition. Give me Felix to win this match in straight sets at minus 150 as my lock. For my dog, I am going to go to the first match. I'm going to look at a matchup between Shevchenko and Bublik. I'm going to take the over two and a half sets at plus 145. Simply put, I think each player is very, very streaky in individual matches, and I do think that's going to be the case once again here in this one. Shevchenko, despite being in this quarterfinal match, has dropped a set in each of the first two rounds, and that's been a recent trend because Shevchenko has lost at least one set in each of his last six matches. So even when he wins, it's never easy. And I think you're going to end up seeing a marathon unfold because Bublik, like Shevchenko, has done the same thing. Bublik has lost at least one set in five straight matches. So one guy has lost a set in six straight. One guy's lost a set in five straight. I think you're going to end up seeing a pretty even battle here. Both players play really differently, where Shevchenko is willing to just sit there behind the baseline and try to outlast his opponent while Bublik is going to try to end points quickly. Certain volley game might be there, and I do think that Bublik's first serve when it hits or when it's actually accurate is going to be really difficult to deal with. But the serve percentage was not there against Chapo. Only landed 52% of the first serves, had nine double faults, got killed in the first set 6-1. I do think Bublik is going to be vulnerable at various points in this match. I am going to lean for him to win this match, but I do think looking at this matchup, it's a pretty fun, conflicting styles type of battle where I think you're going to see each player at moments, some ebbs and flows. But plus 145 feels like a very generous price based on how I think this match should unfold. There's a reason why I took both these guys at the outrights. It's because Bublik can be a head case or it could be really good. And I think you're going to see a bit of both in this matchup. And I think plus 145 is a very generous price, which is why I am going to take it. So once again, my picks for the show, the lock is going to be on Felix to win in straight sets against Mayat at minus 150. And the dog will be on Shevchenko and Bublik over two and a half sets at plus 145. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. You can find me on a bunch of other podcasts in the network, the NBA show, the NFL show. You get the point. We'll be back once again tomorrow to go through the semifinals in Montpierre. But until then, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.